Rob Thomas from Club and Resort Business, and welcome to another episode of Club and Resort Talks. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by uh, Crestcore. When your club is on a roll, check out Crestcore's hot cabinets, ovens, utility cabinets, racks, dollies, and a host of other quality products. Crestcore has grown into a leader in providing mobile food service operations to a wide and robust customer base. As the company embarks on the third generation of family ownerships, uh, they continue to strive to providing customers with quality equipment, innovation that solves their issues, and over and above customer service. Learn more at CrestCore.com. Now that we got that out of the way, let's throw it over to Phil Karen, our senior editor. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? Terrific, terrific. What's going on in the news? What are you seeing? Well, a lot of uh, interesting stuff this week, as always, right? I don't, I don't really, I know sometimes I've been trying to have a theme here, a certain state or a certain issue. I don't really have that today. It's more of a, more of a hodgepodge, more miscellaneous stuff, but uh, all good stuff and all interesting stuff as always. Uh, there's, I thought this was an interesting story out in Oklahoma. We actually had a member uh, of the club purchase the club, Bill Chambers, who's been a member at um, a club called uh, Indian. Well, now it's going to be called Indian Springs Country Club. Uh, he bought the club at Indian Springs in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, uh, and he's going to change the name back to Indian Springs Country Club. I guess he's been a member at that club for about 30 years. He he had an oil and gas business uh, that he sold about eight years ago, and he was looking for another business to invest in. Uh, he wanted to have a, his wife, uh, Janet, involved with it. She's an accounting specialist, um, as well as also wanted to involve his daughter, Nicole, and uh, son-in-law, Tyler, and have them have big roles with the club. So he's purchase the club. Uh, as I understand it, yes, he's going to have uh, Tyler serve as president of the club of Indian Springs. His daughter, uh, Nicole, Chambers' daughter, that is Nicole, will be the membership director of the club. Uh, and Chambers himself is going to concentrate on special projects and course conditions. And of, of note, though, he did praise the previous owners, uh, Riker Young and Paul Glover, uh, for their work in keeping the club going. I like the quote we had there in the, the lead off to the story. Uh, Chambers said the two gentlemen deserved a standing ovation uh, for keeping that club from going under. I just thought it was a, a unique story because I, at least in my time so far with this, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of stories where we see a situation where a member's purchasing a club and then further he's actually, you know, involving some of his family members in leadership roles with the organization. So it's kind of a fun story to, to, to look at this week. Yeah, that's terrific. I, I did uh, note that the uh, the two guys previously uh, saved it from really going under and put a lot of money and effort into uh, to bringing it back to where it needed to be. And I think uh, the new crew is just going to keep on kind of take the torch and carry it on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Made me think about maybe my sons and I should get together and adventure someday and do that down the road once they've gone out into the world and and experience life some more. Maybe we'll try to get together and, and do something like that someday. Well, there's a club not too far from you that's on the auction block. That's true. Oh, and you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because that's actually, that is a club I did play golf at with my in-laws a few times, my father-in-law and brother-in-law. Uh, we played there. Yeah, Seven Hills uh, Country Club, which, yeah, isn't too far. Uh, probably about a 15, 20-minute drive from me here, uh, just where I am south of Akron and a little further south for me to go to get there. But, yeah, it would be a nice to uh, who knows? Maybe yeah. we'll take a look. Check the couch cushions. <laughs> That's right. Check under the mattresses. and <laughs> yeah. What else you got going on? Well, uh, another 
interesting story. And um, Tiger Woods is his company, uh, TGR Design, in which actually we talked about this early in the year. Um, he's designing a course out in, or his firm's designing a course out in Utah. Uh, Marcella Club in Park City, Utah. They've now actually started breaking ground on the first five holes, and they're going to do grading on the next four holes very soon as well. Thought this was interesting. The course is going to be more than 8,000 yards in length. It'll be one of the longest in the state of Utah. It's on schedule to be completed in 2025. It's uh, Tiger Woods' first mountain course, which I thought was interesting. And um, I think it sounds great, though, because as they're saying, the course is going to be part of, it's the first of a 36-hole facility that's going to be kind of integrated into the natural landscape. Um, Utah's longest and highest elevation golf course and tiger woods himself said he was thrilled to be designing a course in a, in a special location like that uh, he said it's uniquely beautiful and offer engaging play for every ability so i think that's a, a exciting venture tiger has out there and uh looking forward to seeing how that turns out i know these days i've talked to some club gms who talk about younger players uh, hit the ball further than us older guys did even at that the age you know when we were their age and that such so it seems appropriate to uh, have Tiger designing a, a long course like this. And indeed, he, he himself was a long hitter off the tee, and it seems appropriate that he would be designing a course like that and kind of marks a, a future of golf, if you will, of hitting longer off the tee. And so, therefore, you need some courses to, with uh, longer length to test them out, test them with their drivers. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Utah's got some beautiful top topography. Um, however... We are about to hit the rollback, right? The the golf ball rollback in just a few years. Uh, the rollback can right. take away five yard or five percent of your distance. Elevation generally gives you ten percent extra, so maybe you know eight thousand yards, you're only going to benefit by five yards, even though you're losing five. I don't know. Whatever the math is, uh, eight thousand yards is way, way, way too far for me. I'm more of a sixty five hundred yard kind of guy myself, but um, yeah. hey. Good for those those long, tall drinks of water out there smacking the ball 340 in the air. Uh, those college guys can really put it, you know, put it to it. And I think the college guys are actually hitting farther than most of the pros these days. Is that right? I yeah. didn't realize that. Wow. Good to okay. be young. Yes, it is. It is for sure. Okay. And the other one uh, coming up, actually shifting gears, different sport. We've talked a lot about pickleball this year. We've also talked a little bit about, uh, you know, for the most part, overwhelmingly positive uh, sport. And it's been uh, a help, of course, to a lot of clubs around the country as well. Uh, but one negative we've unfortunately consistently heard about pickleball is problems with noise. And it was interesting uh, this week because Rock Crimin Country Club in North Stamford, Connecticut, uh, recently uh, removed their request to put in uh, more pickleball courts at their uh, site. And the, they were we had reported on back in October as well. They were working with the neighbors because there was an ongoing concern about noise. And I guess they've ultimately uh, decided at this point, they're, I think they're moving forward with a parking lot project there, but they're not going to have the pickleball courts uh, put in for the time being as they're still trying to work things out. Um, the one thing I noticed too, when I look back, look at this story, I saw a related story where we had talked about um, or reported on the fact that USA Pickleball was introducing a, quote unquote, quiet category for noise reducing equipment. And um, a company called, I don't know if I'm saying this right, SLN CR panels 
is designing a lightweight uh, sound absorption panel specifically for pickleball. So it'll be interesting to see. I would imagine we're going to see a lot more of that. Companies coming up with uh, equipment, uh, the surfaces, whatever, what have you, anything having to do with the setup at pickleball to help reduce the noise. Because that unfortunately seems like an ongoing concern for people or for people who live nearby pickleball courts. So I expect we'll see more with that with companies trying to do things uh, to market products that would address that issue. I think they pronounce that silly spelling silencer, uh, which makes sense. Oh, <laughs> the panels. Yes, the uh, panels, correct. But if you if you go on our website, clubresortbusiness.com, and you type in pickleball and noise, there are just a stream of articles that have come you know, over the last few years. Uh, so it's definitely an issue. It's definitely an issue across the industry. And uh, I'm glad to see that a lot of clubs, uh, I mentioned this in my column, recent column, that uh, clubs are being good neighbors. Uh, they're doing their best to uh, to quiet the noise or to play within a certain time frame. Uh, pickleball is extremely popular, but, you know, maybe before 8 o'clock or after 9, 10 o'clock at night, uh, you don't want to be, you know, hearing that when you're out trying to, you know, enjoy a quiet DVD on the patio or whatever the case may be. So um, the industry keeps working on it and I'm sure people smarter than me are going to figure it out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's going to be, um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I was presenting it's kind of, it, but it, it is a problem for people involved with the sport, but in, or a club and then neighbors, et cetera. But the positive that comes out of it is that indeed you're going to have companies be able to come up with, equipment products that will help address that issue and then hopefully solve the issue for both sides and each side can get what they want out of the situation in the end right so yeah yeah i'm sure and and right. we've um included the uh racket facilities in our annual top ranked program uh spoiler alert i don't want to I'm just get a little tease uh top ranks going away right so mm -hmm. but we do have one more top rank to talk about and yeah. phil i believed uh top rank clubhouse uh, you had a chance to um, talk to the winners. Yes, I did. And actually, before I mention that, just run through as I've been doing throughout the year here. Uh, we did. We finished our top ranked program here for 2023. Uh, at December issue, we're featuring the top ranked clubhouses. And just to run through them really quickly at just the top five. Number five, we had Addison Reserve Country Club in Delray Beach, Florida. Number four was Cherry Hills Country Club in uh, Cherry Hills Village, Colorado, uh, just outside of Denver, Newport Beach Country Club in Newport Beach, California, uh, Broken Sound Club in Boca Raton, Florida, and a number one, Rob, one last drum roll for 2023. <laughs> number one, Ballinaus Country Club in Palm Beach, Florida. So congratulations to the folks there. And yes, I did recently have a chance to speak with uh, Ryan Walls, CEO and General Manager of Ballinaus Country Club. Uh, Laura Young-Cray, who's the clubhouse director there, and Becky Collison, director of marketing communications at the club, uh, spoke to the three of them about earning the number one ranking. They had had a, a big brand clubhouse uh, renovation that was done several years ago. So we talked a lot about that project, um, as well as you know why that project was done, what makes the clubhouse unique, and talked a little about some future plans. So it was a great conversation. Hope everyone enjoys it. Terrific. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of Club and Resort Talks. I'm Phil Karen, Senior Editor with Club and Resort Business. 
Our December issue of Club and Resort Business featured our listing of top-ranked clubhouses. This year, the club that earned the number one spot in the rankings was Ballon Isles Country Club in Palm Beach, Florida. Joining me today to talk about earning the top ranking is Ryan Walls, General Manager and CEO of Ballon Isles Country Club, Laura Young-Cray, Clubhouse Director of the club, and Becky Collison, the club's Director of Marketing and Communications. Ryan, Laura, and Becky, welcome to Club and Resort Talks. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. We appreciate the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. First of all, congratulations to all three of you and everyone at your club on receiving our honor. Uh, we're honored to share it with everybody here today. Uh, first of all, talk about what it means to the organization, the employees, and your members to earn this recognition. It's fantastic, right? It's uh, it's sort of a feather in the cap for a lot of years of hard work from member volunteers, from the planning aspect of building a new upscale country club clubhouse and doing all the planning and legwork and getting all the various feedback from member input on the wants and wishes and likes of a new building and seeing that through through a vote and through construction and the inconveniences that causes to today, everybody enjoying their little place of heaven. And, you know, we really enjoy it. Um, it's, a, it's a way that the industry sort of honors uh, the hard work of all of those who are involved. Our staff is proud of the opportunity and uh, it's something that we're really excited about and we'll celebrate. Excellent, excellent. And before we get into talking about the clubhouse itself and its facilities, um, could maybe one of you share kind of an overview of the club and the amenities it offers overall? Sure, I'd be happy to. So Ballinaus Country Club are located in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Uh, we were founded in 1964 by legendary Florida developer, John D. MacArthur, um, the original PGA of America, and we were actually the original PGA National Golf Club. Um, in about 1973, we were renamed JDM, and in 1988, renamed Ballinaus Country Club. So we're located on about 1,300 acres. Um, we have about 1,575 homes in 33 <clears throat> neighborhoods, and about 2,670 or so um, members here at the club. Um, four different membership categories, and a little bit about the clubhouse that was renovated in 2018. Uh, we have six distinctive dining venues, uh, six card rooms, uh, three championship golf courses, um, a beautiful golf shop, and, um, you know, it's a beautiful place to call home, and I know our members really love it here. For any of the three of you, can you talk a little bit more, though, about what it is about the clubhouse at Ballon Isles Country Club that separates it from other clubhouses? We have a really rich history um, going back to the 70s and 80s when we were the original PGA National and the home of the PGA of America, we posted nine, 10 major golf events in the 71 PGA Championship and senior PGAs and World Cups. And we were a playground for the rich and famous and some unfamous from Chicago that used to call the club home. And we've grown over the years from a single golf course to three. We've hosted one of the greatest rackets programs in the country for many years, including the home training ground for Venus and Serena for the better part of two decades. And so we have a lot of that history. And the thing that I really enjoy doing is the architect and the uh, designers will, you know, sort of put together a great footprint of a building for us, but it's really our job to tell the story and bring the heartbeat to the club. And so um, we've had a, we've had a really good time with 
uniquely branding and representing our past and our history from our, you know, celebrating our war veterans to our history hallway to our championship hallway and celebrating Harry's Lounge and the remembrance of our famous uh, golf pro, Harry Pizzullo, to the Sneed Green, to the Nicholas uh, relationship and just having Nicholas design redo our famed East course where Jack was champion in the 71 PGA and also in the 71 World Cup. And so when you walk through our clubhouse, we tell a story and you can feel the vibe and you can feel the history. And that ties in so well with sort of the modern day times when you walk into our grand uh, sports bar with over 30 televisions that our members uh, thoroughly enjoy. And, um, you know, it's really sort of bringing that history um, to life. It's telling the story about the past, blending that with the present, uh, including, you know, the, the, the reigning champions of, uh, of golf and tennis and pickleball have their, uh, have their names on the wall for a year in our grand hallway uh, to celebrate their, their championship. And so, you know, blending the past and the present has uh, been a lot of fun for us. Uniquely branding, representing the different things that we do here at the club for our members is, uh, is sort of brings the heartbeat together of the club. And that's, that's one of the things that we're really proud of and enjoy here. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent to hear about all the history sort of being blended in with, with modern times, if you will. The, or the grand clubhouse that's there now, as I understand it, was opened in November of 2018 after it underwent a $35 million renovation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the main features of the renovation and, and why it was decided to under to be undertaken and why it was undertaken? Yeah, so the usage of our club, you know, has grown substantially over the years and continues to, especially over the last three years as our membership base continues to transition. And, and so, you know, our, our members saw long ago that um, the usage and the needs of our membership was changing. You know, they went through a, a long planning process and finding the needs and wants of our members from additional card rooms and, and more card play, lessening the size of our locker rooms, which I think we'll talk about, adding more dining venues or more options because our members enjoy uh, spending time together. And the big thing you know, the heart and our soul, heart and soul of our of our community and club is, is is really the socialization and making certain that we have more opportunities to spend time together, uh, whether it be Harry's Lounge or the Grand Terraces overlooking the 18th hole of the East Course, um, to our poolside uh, dining and poolside opportunities to nightly happy hours and the like, having all of the different opportunities and locations to move things around and keep things fresh and fun and exciting rather than just going to the single old venue every day. They have a lot of opportunities and options of where to spend their time here at the club. And it's all based upon getting together with friends and family and, and uh, telling stories and having a good time. And, and, um, and that's what really sort of drives the spirit of our club. Ryan, it was decided with the project that you decided against having the traditional locker room space um, and instead to have more space <clears throat> lounging and gathering, or I may have misspoken there. I don't know if it was less no, right. locker room space at all and have more space for lounging and gathering. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that came about? Well, I think that um, in a private club like we have where the they live close enough, the locker rooms were really underutilized. So one of the objectives was to make sure we had enough locker room space for when their guests came <clears throat> but not have all the wasted space and to create a more, you know, fun and more vibrant area for the members to sit. And like when you walk into our men's lounge and locker room, there's a library and couches and a TV 
They can hang out, have a cup of coffee, chat with their friends, which just becomes a more comfortable and a better utilized space. And we haven't really had any issues with locker room space since we reduced it. Okay, so members are are happy with the way things have been sort of reoriented. Yeah, there. I mean, we haven't had a demand for the lockers. And that is interesting because I have noticed that I'm still fairly new with covering the club industry, but that does seem to be a fairly common trend uh, to, to have uh, less of an emphasis on locker room space uh, in favor of the types of sort of more gathering spaces, socializing areas that you're talking about here. So interesting to see that. I think at a, at a, at a public type golf course, higher end, where you're coming from a business meeting and having to change your clothes, put on your golf attire. I could see a, you know, a larger locker room footprint, but with a private club, when I'm driving my golf cart in, I'm coming from my house. It just wasn't utilized enough to dedicate that type of a footprint to it. Okay. Very good. Yeah. That makes sense. Given the situation <laughs> there. Absolutely. Um, and I know also another feature, it, it was also important in this whole renovation to have, multiple dining venues and choices for members and guests. Uh, for the three of you, talk about why that was important. Well, I'll, I'll take the lead on that one. So um, <clears throat> with the diversity of our membership and some of our members dine here seven days a week for you know lunch and dinner, um, there's an array of restaurants outside of the gates on PGA Boulevard. So we wanted to make sure we could bring diverse and eclectic menus that they like to dine at outside, inside. Uh, the idea being this is your home, you don't really have to leave. So we created six very unique dining venues. Each one has its own, you know, sensory look, feel, sound, menus. We go from a casual sports bar to poolside dining, to a bistro, to traditional country club buffet type dinner, all the way up to upscale fine dining. So we give a little bit of everything that the members need. They never have to leave if they don't want to. Interesting. On that point, is that you were talking about restaurants being available just outside of sort of club grounds. Was that, was doing that, having the, the variety, were you kind of looking to sort of mirror or compete against specific types of places that were offered outside of the club property? Well, you know, it was, wasn't really to compete with them. It was more so to make sure that we could meet the needs and the demands of our membership. You know, typical country club dining, one menu, one restaurant. We want it, you know, when I want to go get a burger and fries and sit and watch a game, I go to the sports bar. When I want to go out for a nice meal with my wife or my husband and sit and have fine dining, we can do that. So it just gives them the variety and keeps them, you know, involved in the club. And it just, I mean, it increased every, our, our member dining increased because of the number of venues and the diversity of our menus and the variety we offer. Okay, very good. So, and well, I, you kind of just touched on it by bringing that up, but um, the member feedback on these, on the variety of options, I take it has been quite positive. 
sounds like? Very positive. Very positive. Good. Excellent. That's very good. Um, talk about uh, sort of transition to something else here. I know uh, there was an importance placed on uh, planning room view <laughs> transitions from indoor to outdoor space and sort of the backside of the clubhouse. Somebody would like to touch on that a little bit. So, you know, one of the number one reasons people move to Ballon Isles is because of how beautiful the landscaping is. So we wanted to make sure that we incorporated that into the dining experience as well. So, for example, our Ballon Isles grill, and we live in Florida, by the way, so it's not always cold for sweaters or so hot that you're miserable. It's usually a beautiful, perfect weather to be kind of indoor, outdoor. So we have nano doors in our sports bar that open all the way up. So you're basically both indoors and outdoors at the same time, um, overlooking the beautiful 18th hole of the East Course and our bridge, our Circle 100 dining room overlooks the golf course as well and the practice facility. So, and then our Bistro 105, which um, overlooks the pool and the outside pool area. It is really important because I think when you sit and dine to have a view and to enjoy why you live here is, you know, really important. So the architects and the designers and the team really made sure that the windows were in the right spot and the tables were in the right spot and so forth. So everybody could enjoy the view that they live here for. Okay, very good. And I know for our article that's going to be appearing here in the December issue of Club Resort Business, um, Ryan, we actually have a comment for you talking about the fact that the club's driving mission is to provide members with as many opportunities as possible to socialize. Um, and, and we, in hearing comments from everybody, really, it seems like all the facilities are sort of geared toward that anyways. Um, but can you talk about why that is the focal point for the club to provide the opportunities for socialization and why that's so important? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, we're the heartbeat of the community, right? So we have, uh, uh, you know, 2,600 users that are looking for opportunities to enjoy their day and spend time with friends and family. And that surfaces and centers around the Grand Clubhouse and the sports complex and the golf and rackets and the new pool complex we're constructing, for instance. And so, you know, when we when we survey our members and, and look for opportunities and reasons why people choose Ballon Isles or choose to stay at Ballon Isles, it's always re revolves around the landscape and the socialization. And so making certain that our members have a lot of neat opportunities for them to uh, um, spend time with one another indoors and outdoors and, and, and move them around the campus a little bit so they are not doing the same thing every day, but have a nice uh, um, uh, balance in, in, in how they use the facilities is really important to us. And we keep it um, alive in our programming and events that we do and the types of uh, indoor outdoor events that we host and, you know, all the way down to our food, food programming and restaurant opportunities. And so uh, it really is just sort of what we're all about here. The golf is important, the rackets is important, um, the health and wellness is important, but socialization is what drives the heartbeat of our community and will always sort of be our number one mission to, uh, to create opportunities and fun opportunities for our members. Lastly too, just wanna find out, are there any, well, future plans for both the clubhouse and or even just the club as a whole? I think I just heard a mention of a new mm. complex that's in the works. Yeah. Anything else, Any future plans for the clubhouse for facilities that you'd like to talk about? 
Yeah, you know, uh, you know, like so many clubs, especially in our area, we're, you know, we're continuing to grow. Our membership base continues to change, and and uh, and our strategic plan supports that long term in the future. So, you know, right now we have a 19 million dollar renovation to our health and wellness center that's underway. With we just started pouring concrete in the new pool today. In fact, um, we'll have a a new racket shop. We'll add uh, a new rackets court, a couple more pickleball courts over the next coming years. We're adding a new arts center, uh, 1,500 square foot for our members to enjoy the arts. We're improving our dining venue at the sports complex to bring the outdoor space to the pool, become more prevalent in that venue. Um, we just did a facelift of our uh, and expanded our uh, our sports bar, our Ballinow's Grill. Next summer, we'll embark on some improvements to our high our upscale dining and evolution to bring in an outdoor garden element. So. We're always looking for opportunities to grow and improve, and and uh, and we've got some you know fantastic plans over the next ten years. Great, sounds like you have some exciting plans coming up here for your members and guests. Um, well, once again, uh, Ryan, Becky, and Laura, I'd like to congratulate all of you on Ballin Isles Country Club earning the number one ranking in our club and resort business top ranked clubhouses program. Congratulations. Thank, yeah, you. thank you. And look, on behalf of the club and the board and the members, just really we appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate the um, the recognition, and uh, just know it's important to us, and uh, we'll carry the flag high for you. <laughs> Excellent. Great to hear. Well, hey, happy holidays to all of you. Appreciate it. Good luck with everything coming up here in the holiday season at the club as well. Happy holidays to you too. Thank you. All the best. Oh, you're welcome. And a reminder to everyone that our rankings for uh, top-ranked clubhouses will appear on our website at clubandresortbusiness.com. They will also appear in the December issue, as mentioned, December issue of Club and Resort Business. For those of you who subscribe to our magazine, if you haven't received the magazine already, you should be receiving it very soon. So keep an eye out for it. And of course, to watch other podcasts like this one, you can also visit us at clubandresortbusiness.com to see that. And to everyone out there, take care, stay well, and happy holidays.